We're on a mission from God. I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby Land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker here at Area 52. High atop Bethel Church, this is the talk show Hell Hates. The more you listen, the more you know why. Good to be with you today. Um, I am I am uh, batting or batting a thousand so far with my ability to predict bad weather. Uh, not prophesy it, predict it. A prognosticator of stormy weather. Um, here is that blue dot is where we are right here. Don't tell anybody where Area 52 is. And there are multiple storm warnings out east and west of us. And they're headed this way. Uh, and I predicted it, or my body, my body predicted it Tuesday. My body predicted the storms we got Saturday, predicted them Thursday. So, so far, I'm two for two. And I will always let you know when we have more storms coming. Good to be with you today. I'm still a little bit achy today. Bones hurt and so on. I re-injured my back. Um, Last year... If you remember, we had a uh, small house fire that basically smoked everything up in our house. So we had to move into our RV. And an RV takes a lot of maintenance. You're filling up water tanks. Um, you're dumping waste. And so on and so on. And it's got one of these slide outs for the bedroom. And I was bent over. Underneath that slide out, um, draining the tanks, and I stood up, forgetting where I was. And the the edge of that slide out, it's about a half inch um, hard surface, went right into uh, a place in my thoracic spine that's right about here, straight back, where I had surgery, oh, probably 10 years ago, something like that. Had to go all the way down to Tampa, Florida to have it done. Uh, Thoracic back surgery is pretty tricky. Uh, But anyway, I've had surgery there. And when I came back up, my back went into that edge like that. Ow! And it hurts Today, it hurt. That's a year ago. Um, And so certain days, man, I'm just not doing okay at all. But God is so faithful. And his, I am in awe of God's word. I am. 
uh, just when you think, and this this is I'm going to say this in pure love and spite to all of you know-it-alls who are always correcting everybody else, telling people how wrong they are, and their view of the Bible is all washed up, and they don't they don't know anything. I know a lot. I've studied this. I went to seminary, and I've read books, and I you know, to all you know it alls. If you if you want to have a relationship with God where He no longer reveals things to you, that's your business. I mean, if you've got a if you've got a chart. Somewhere on a wall somewhere in your house or your office of the book of Revelation and it's timed out on everything that's going to happen. If that's what you want to, if that's what you want to live by, go for it. I, however, get a thrill when something new just pops into my head. And I search the scriptures to see whether these things be true or not. Um, to get started, let me um, let me read a couple of uh, articles that I found in my notes. The first one is let me pop that on the screen here. Uh, clickety click clack. There we go. The first one. This is from 2015, and they were predicting, I think this must be from, uh, well, okay, The Independent, which is a a British newspaper, the NHS, which stands for National Health Services, to give volunteers synthetic blood made in laboratory, or excuse me, laboratory, within two years. Um. Let's see here. It is hoped artificial red blood cells could be used for specialized transfusions. And remember, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on uh, this teaching I have on the blood. And if you have not seen the whole of it, you're missing something. I'm telling you, uh, I I was doing this. I was preparing this for a homecoming we had several years ago. And I made a list of possible topics that I was going to talk about. And I had written on a piece of paper, uh, talk about blood. And I sat there at my computer. And I had never really done any significant research on blood. I remembered a few things from biology class and so on, both in high school and college. But I had never really you know, made any connections between human blood and what the Bible says. But it always uh, was always weird to me how that the Bible talks about robes being dipped in blood and they come out white because every time I got blood on my clothes, it was red and my mama couldn't get the red out. But um, so I decided to just start studying. And in, in a day, in one day, most of what I have taught on the blood all came together in in that one day. Now, I added some things later on and so on to to make it more sense and to add more scripture to it. But man, I tell you what, uh, if you you would like a copy of that to give to people, uh, I'm sure somebody out there would get a blessing. 
Um, just call our office, 636-937-3233, and uh, say, I want, a, I want a DVD on the blood. And um, I guarantee you, there's somebody out there that's waiting for something real to come their way. People have been burned out by what's on the internet. People have been burned out by lies and conspiracy theories that never pan out. They're sick of it. And I, I just have this idea. There's still people out there that want to know the truth. And when you give it to them, and especially something that is so awesome that it cannot be denied, that the, the, the coincidences between blood, how it works, what it does, and what the Bible says, there's just too many of them. So, you know, you may want to, con- or if you are a net person, uh, go to our YouTube channel or go to Sermon Audio, doesn't matter either one. Find the teaching on the blood. I've done several, but I did a, I did it as a Watchman broadcast set on the blood and um, send it to somebody. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it on your uh, Snapchat. Share it on your uh, TikTok, which you ought not have. Share it on your uh, Instagram or whatever it is you use to socially mediate. Uh, Twitter. But get the word out. Send it to people in an email. Say, man, you got to watch this. This is pretty cool. Um, But anyway, I'm just in awe. If you remember from that teaching on the blood, the red blood cells, if you look at them, they're shaped like little cups or little bowls. There's a reason for that. Because the job of the red blood cells is to literally carry oxygen, and nutrients to all the cells in your body. And those are done by the red blood. So you got a bowl or a cup or a bucket uh, or a big 55-gallon drum of King James Bible. You've got that. And your blood then, uh, your lungs are putting oxygen in there. Uh, Your digestive system is putting nutrients in into that blood cell, and the blood cell then goes to the cells. When it gets to the cell, it empties out the, um, the oxygen, it empties out the nutrients, and it waits a minute because the cell has already burnt oxygen and nutrients from, let's say, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. And while you're standing there with an empty bucket, you might as well carry out the trash. So... The cell then takes the burnt residue of oxygen and nutrients, sugar. What do you get when you burn sugar? Black, which is what? Carbon. The cells dump out the carbon, which is eventually will be poison if, it doesn't, if it, you don't get it done. Dumps all the carbon out back into the red blood cells. The red blood cells then travel through your vascular system, back up to your heart, into your lungs, and the red blood cell then dumps the carbon into your lungs as a gas, and your lungs expel it when they breathe. Or it takes some of the waste and 
transfers it to through the kidneys down to the bladder. I'm just like, that is so awesome. Because even in the tabernacle, when they burnt a sacrifice on the mitochondria, the altar of the tabernacle, what did they have when they were done? Ashes, carbon. And they had a special way. They scooped up the ashes. They put them in a container. And a, and a Levite priest, I'm not kidding you, a Levite priest had to change his clothes. He put on a different appearance as he goes out with the ashes. He cannot dump the ashes inside. He can just dump them on the ground somewhere. They're trying to get rid of them. So he has to change his clothes, put on these special clothes, Go, and now he has a different appearance. He goes out with this bucket of ashes, out without the camp. The camp is the body. Dumps the ashes out, comes back with this red blood cell, 55-gallon drum. Now it's empty. Now we're going to bring some more spirit, some more breath, some more life, and some more food in it. So that's why they're shaped that way. Uh, But anyway, this article talks about clinical trials of artificial red blood cells, which will occur before 2017, NH scientists said. The blood is made from the stem cells extracted from either the umbilical cord. uh, (laughs) If you remember, Brady and Bradley Crum, who used to uh, go to church here, Um, Some of the words in the Bible, they didn't pronounce right. right? Um, This, of course, isn't in the Bible, but they used to call umbilical, unbiblical. Not making it up. So cells extracted from either the umbilical cord, uh, blood of newborn babies, or the blood of adult donors. The trial, thought to be a world first, will involve small transfusions of a few teaspoons of synthetic blood to test for any adverse reactions. It will allow scientists to study the time the manufactured red blood cells can survive within human recipients. Now, folks, I don't have to tell you that, well, maybe I do, that God has a special way that he sees blood. And when I say that, I'm not talking about physically seeing. I'm talking about God's attitude toward the blood, whether it's the blood of beasts um, or it's the blood of that humongous bug that hit my windshield this morning and slid up my windshield, oozed all over my windshield. I had to clean it off. Whether it's the blood of beast or the blood of a man, God has a special design with the blood. You see, the blood is the life of the creature. And it, it not only is our life in this body, but it represents eternal life in a new body made possible by Christ's blood. And I, I have seen ignorance from pastors that I knew who got so know-it-all-ish, um, who studied Greek now, they're experts, and one pastor wrote a, an article saying that Christ's blood was not in any way significant or special, that it was not divine blood, it wasn't God's blood, 
and that Christ's blood is not really what saves us. The word blood is a metaphor or metonym for death, which is ignorant. And I know the pastor that wrote that. And and I will say, don't you get mad at me, because I didn't. I'm not the one that went astray on this. John MacArthur has taught, and I don't know if he's backed away from that or not, but he has taught in time past practically the same thing, that it's not the blood, it's the death of Christ. The blood simply is a reference to his death. So all those verses in the Bible where that talks about Christ's blood, Christ's blood, Christ's blood, doesn't, the Bible doesn't really mean that. So basically you're saying that God said this, but he doesn't mean this. He means something else. But then, of course, they don't give any scriptures to say why God said it this way and that he actually means death. None at all. So, and, and number number one, they, they deny Christ's blood being divine. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that God, with his own blood. In fact, I'll show you that one. Oh, yeah. Acts chapter 20, verse... 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Whose blood? Well, the only who in here is God. God. His own blood. So... Don't deny the blood, people. You don't want to do that. Oh, I like I like that phrase, his own blood. Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. Hebrews 13, 12, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Look at this. Revelation 1, 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Don't tell me the blood doesn't mean blood. Don't tell me it means death. I'll call you a liar. Well, maybe not to your face, but you know, will. Now, that article I just showed you, 2015. This one, uh, 2019. Artificial blood that is better than the real thing made in the lab by scientists. Now, that 2015 article, I'm reasonably sure that I would have uh, at least mentioned that article, uh, maybe in a Watchman broadcast or uh, Pastor Mike Online, which is the job of the Watchman from Ezekiel 33. The Watchman is to stand up on the tower, get up, the highest place that he can, where he can see the most, which is why God sees everything, because he's the most high God. You get up high so you can see the sword coming from the farthest distance possible, so long as it's not over the curvature of the earth. Um, But when he sees that sword coming... He warns people. 
So the job of a watchman is to warn people about things like the synthesizing of human blood, hence the possible replacement of human blood. And folks, I don't have to tell you, um, there's a joke that goes, what's the difference between scientists and God? And the answer is, God doesn't think he's a scientist. Scientists think they're God. They're playing God. They're saying to themselves, we have intellect. We have great power. We have great resources uh, in the palms of our hands. We're going to make anything we want to and we'll replace nature with synthesis. We will remake everything about our bodies, the bodies of birds, bees, plants, you name it, will change and alter the course of genetic history so that the future is going to be full of genetically modified creatures. And we'll do it and think that we're doing a service to mankind. But the fact is, people, God said leave the blood alone. It is the life uh, that's why man was forbidden to drink it. And that even uh, predates the Mosaic law. You're not supposed to drink blood, uh, eat any animal that has not been drained of its blood. You're not supposed to do that. So anyway, um, the scientists actually made it. Artificial blood that can be used by anyone, regardless of their blood type, will increase the survival rate of patients has been created by... Scientists playing God. Skip. I don't know why we have to skip. Japanese researchers from the National Defense Medical College have revealed the blood which they created in a lab. When I reveal the blood, when I reveal the blood, made in a lab, the team boasts it can be transfused into patients regardless of their blood type. Scientists, bo- uh, it is also hoped medics will be able to use the artificial blood to help seriously injured people, and it will increase survival rates. Doctors will now no longer have to worry about limits on the amount of blood available from donors. See, it's all so that the doctors don't have to worry. Doctors don't have to be afraid. Doctors, don't go to head at, don't go to bed at night with the thoughts in your head of not having enough blood tomorrow. Because we, the divine scientists, have changed all that for you. We did it for you, Mr. Doctor. Scientists claim their artificial blood can also be stored for a year at normal temperatures. Uh, I've actually been storing mine for 50, almost 57 years now at normal temperatures. Blood can normally be kept only for 20 days at chill temperatures before it spoils. So think about it now. Think, think about it for a minute. What causes blood to spoil? Bacteria, little one-celled organisms or whatever that 
mix in with the blood are already there in the blood. Because there's no, um, if you have blood outside of the body, um, because you have no immune system in that bag of blood, that blood will spoil because there are little uh, germs in the air and in the blood and elsewhere that would eat the material that's in that blood and thus ruin it, spoil it. Why is it that we have this medical miracle that is supposed to, once it's in your body, it will act just like blood. It will be uh, nearly perfect as blood in every way, except for the fact that germs can't eat it. They don't want it. That's why it won't spoil. It's because there's nothing in it. I'm just guessing here. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm just guessing that that's the reason why it doesn't spoil. There's nothing in it for it to eat. Uh, Professor Manabu Kunishita said, oh, It is difficult to stock a sufficient amount of blood for transfusions in such regions as remote islands. The artificial blood would be able to save the lives of people who otherwise could not be saved, he said. Scientists used artificial blood on 10 rabbits suffering from serious blood loss. Six of them managed to survive the test. The rest of the four were eaten for dinner, unquote. Now, with that in mind, let me do this. I, I, something hit me on the way over this morning about what I'm going to share with you. I never thought of it before. And that's, that's what I love. When God gives me something and I search the scriptures, find out that it's right or whatever, and I, I put it together and I present it to people in a way that they can sort of semi-understand what's going on. Out of the years of experience doing this, I know for a fact God doesn't give me everything all at once. Oh, no, 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 no. He keeps me interested by giving me part of it. Later on, give us another piece of it. And you're going, oh, that is so cool. And it is. Let me show, let me show you what. I'm going to call this the blood of Jesus and the battle of Armageddon. Okay? Hebrews 9. This is the doctrine of the blood. Notice what it says. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book. Oh, by the way, I, I hate, to, hate to interrupt this. Remember me talking about this book, uh, the Holy Bible Complete, complete and how to understand it. Um, Hitchcock's new complete analysis of the Holy Bible or the whole of the Old and New Testaments arranged according to subjects and 27 books. Um, I'm just, I love this thing 
but it's old. It's like 1880-something, 1881. I found in this book an old tract uh, from 1883, I think, and it was advertising a, uh, a church conference at a congregational church in Illinois. And they were inviting all the churches in the area to come and be part of this, of this like a Bible conference. And they even listed the subjects that they were going to talk about and who was going to be teaching those subjects. And they ranged from, you know, how to evangelize lost people and how to study the Word of God and different things like that. Not six ways for you and your partner to enjoy better, you know. Not any kind of garbage like that. I mean, it's good stuff. And uh, they said, all, all of God's people, all those who tend, bring Bibles, which is not done anymore, and bring hymn books, which is not done anymore. They said, we're going to read the Bible and we're going to sing. Whew. Anyway, a lady wrote me. Uh, let me see if I can find her email real quick. Because she found copies of this. Uh, where is it? No, let's see there. Uh, yes, 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 no, yes, yes. Uh, she said, uh, Pastor Mike, I watched the show last evening. This afternoon we found the antique Holy Bible Hitchcock complete analysis. A.J. Johnson, Religion, 1869 on eBay for $15, nine shipping. Yay, I love reference books, but since he has, uh, he's talking about her son going to Bible college, uh, I thought this would be a great addition to our reference library. Information for your listeners, there are several available on eBay starting at about $25. I'm telling you, it'd be money well spent. Just because of the old book. I love old books. I've got... A bunch of them, and I, I just like them for some reason. But this one in particular is like the Pure Bible Search software that we have in a book form. And there's thousands of different topics here, and it just gives you the scriptures. It doesn't print out any doctrinal stands, any interpretations. It just gives you the Word of God. All right. Back at the ranch. Um, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled the, uh, both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Now, this, in a way, this verse here, basically does away with the entire Hebrew Roots false doctrine. Now, I haven't spoken on Hebrew Roots in a while, but Hebrew Roots are people who have been conned by some schmo, pardon my Yiddish, um, they've been conned by somebody into believing contrary to the book of Romans, contrary to the book of Hebrews, contrary to the book of Galatians, that uh, Christ came to lead us 
to follow the Ten Commandments and live by them. And here's, I love it when they say this one, because this is like straight up and down Mormon doctrine, that when it comes to those commandments, we should strive to do all of them that we possibly can. And then God's grace will cover the rest. What verse is that? It's not there. And you understand that when Moses brought the covenant of God down to the Israelites, he consecrated, it says here, the book. So he had this scroll of a book with the law, the contract on it, the covenant, and he consecrated the book and the people and joined them together. And the people said, this is what we'll live by. And God said, if you live by this, or if you'll follow this, you'll live. So tell me then, tell me, how is it that Moses and the blood that he used, Moses is dead, the blood that he used is gone. So how can Christ, with his own blood, consecrating a covenant or a testament consecrate us to a covenant or a testament that was given thousands of years ago that no longer stands. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Moses and the covenant that he gave the people gave them the ability to live on this earthly land. God never said anything about heaven with that covenant. Christ, however, with his blood and his covenant, if we follow him by faith, we have access to the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly country, a better country, the Bible says. So Christ's blood consecrating both the word of God, the testament, and us together with him now have access to the land that God has in heaven. It doesn't put us back under the Mosaic law. That was already consecrated temporarily. That's why Moses is still dead. Anyway, moreover, it's the name of my next dog. Come here, moreover. Moreover, he sprinkled, you know, how in Luke 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, um, when Lazarus was sick, moreover, the dogs came and licked his... Anyway, this is the blood of the New Testament, of the Testament which God has joined in you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry and almost all things. I love that phrase. Are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. So what significance? What is it about blood? that has the ability to remove and purge our bodies from sin. What is it? And, and people, this is not just a metaphor. This is not just some ethereal cosmic cloud of lofty thoughts in our head that actually have no real substance to them. 
I submit to you that the blood of Jesus Christ is not just a thought experiment. It's not just a, a cloud of shapeless gas that has no substance to it. The blood of Jesus Christ is real, and it has properties similar to our blood, but his blood has the ability to remove the uncleanness of sin right out of us. And only the blood of Christ can do that. So what is it about the blood? Tell me, please. Oh, I'll tell you. Likewise, also, the cup after supper. This cup is the New Testament, not the renewed testament of the Hebrew roots people. This, is, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So what is it about Christ's blood that bears witness to the testament that he gave, that he is going to consecrate us, wash us, and purge us from all sin, all sin, not just... And I was going through stuff today, and I found this. It's, oh, I got it upside down. It's a rosary with an idol on it. It's got a dead man on it, an idol shepherd. Okay? And if you're a Roman Catholic, and you want all of your sins forgiven, because Roman Catholics don't believe that Christ died for all of your sins, if you're a Roman Catholic, they they punish you. This is your punishment. You must touch these beads with your fingers and say these words, these magic words. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God. I'm skipping part of it, but you get it. They're punishing them by making them say this to purge themselves. of the. So tell me what it is about beads and saying magic words that rids you of sin. Tell me how that works. Show me something in this world that displays the magic power of this beaded necklace, this piece of cheap metal hanging off the bottom of it, and a dead man splayed up there. Tell me how that works. It doesn't. White blood cells to the rescue! Now, remember what the topic is. Okay, I'll say it again. The blood of Jesus and the battle of Armageddon. The white blood cells are soldiers in a battle. The enemies are germs, foreign objects, dirt, anything unclean that enters the body. Uh, what is it that uh, trans- organ transplant people have to worry about? They have to worry about their body's white blood cells attacking the new organ. Let's say that you got a kidney donated. And so this kidney comes from somebody else, even though it's got your same blood type. The white blood cells see that as a foreign object not supposed to be there. And that's one of the risks of any kind of transplant surgery is 
you're going to end up with your white blood cells attacking it if they don't shut down your immune system. Okay? Now, I know what I'm not saying it doesn't, you, you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that's the risk. Okay? White blood cells are the soldiers on a battlefield, battlefield to purge the body of sin. Sin is uncleanness. Sin is filth. Um, sin is a, it's like leaven, um, which is a, a pod with a strand of DNA in it. Um, and it produces this little tiny little bacteria. Um, that's what sin is. And sin, buddy, grows, doesn't it? A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, right? You start it. listen, you start out with your first drink. Where do you go from there? One drink a day? No. You you get high one time. Where do you go from there? You get high multiple times, and you have to get high over and over, more and more. It's a trap, people. I'm telling you, it's a trap. The white blood cells um, are there to purge out the sin in our lives, our conscience. It purges our conscience. You know why? It gives us a knowing that our sins have been forgiven. White blood cells are the healers of the body. Because they go through and they attack every little sin and unclean thing. Even though it starts out as just, well, I only did it one time. Yeah, but you really liked it, didn't you? Well, yeah, I'd say that was pretty good. And there's always the risk that that one sin is going to grow. And all of a sudden, now you've got a sin problem. Big time. They're the healers of the body. Exodus 30, verse 10. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord, which means it's sanctified, it's clean, it's pure. And it's the blood that is for the sin offering. The blood purges the sin. Leviticus 16. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. The altar had four horns on each corner. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Because seven means it's complete. It's done. It's over with. No more sacrifice. No more blood. And cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. The blood purifies. God's showing us this. Hey, it's the blood. The blood is going to purify you from all the uncleanness and cleanse your vile body. Hebrews 9.13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and of the ashes of an head. Oh, isn't that cool? Because remember of the red blood cells? Have to do with ashes. Of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead? Look at the word dead. If, um, 
I, I keep remembering this guy that was hiking in the Moab canyons in Utah, Moab Desert, I think. And he was in this canyon, a very narrow canyon, just barely the width of the human body. He's walking through this canyon. It's a very long, thin, narrow canyon. It goes on forever. And while he's hiking that, a, a stone rolled down over the top, and it trapped his arm up against the side there of the canyon wall. And he can't get it out. He spent like five or six days standing up with almost no sleep, with his arm stuck, waiting for somebody to come by and notice him so he could be rescued. And he said that at some point, he had this very dull Swiss army knife. And he was trying to chip away at the rock to try to get it to break loose. And the knife slipped and it poked his thumb on the other side of that rock. And he said, the stench of my own hand came to me. And I realized that hand was mortified. It was dead. It had no blood now for about five days. And that's when he made the decision to cut his own arm off. Remember what Jesus said? If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. That's exactly what he did with this. He said, next time I go hiking, I'm taking like a med pack. Okay? Hacksaw and everything. He took this dull army knife that he had and began to cut. He, turned, he put a tourniquet around and began to cut his arm. He braced himself, broke his radius and ulna bones. If you want to live, that's what you'll do. And he said, when I got, you know how people say, you're on my last nerve. When he got to his la that last nerve in his arm, when he just touched it with that knife, just fire shot up into his head. Nearly passed out. But he finally cut that last nerve. And he bound that up and he walked out of that canyon, he had to lower himself down on a rope to get to the trail to walk out. And a family was just coming in for a hike, and they found him there. But the idea is, if you've got something in your body that's dead, you know, I hate to bring this up, a miscarriage, or... You know, my mama used to scream every time we put rubber bands on her hands. You're going to have to cut your hand off. Get that rubber band off there. You're going to cut your hand off. And I never did understand that. Why? It's so cool. Look, it turns white, mom. Isn't that cool? Okay. Moms. But if, if, if my hand has leprosy or it's dead from some infection and it's been mortified and there's no bringing it back from the dead. You got to cut it off. The white blood cells can only do so much. But the white blood cells are there to rid the body of dead things. Things that will kill us. Things that are unclean. And that's why the blood of animals, the blood of bulls and goats, cannot purge our conscience. 
while the blood of Christ can. So white blood cells kill unclean things. Now watch this. Um, 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from most sins. No, all sins. Song of Solomon. Oh, I, I found this verse today. What is the symbolism of the color white? What is that? And you know what's interesting to me is that white, like the white of this paper, if you break the light bands apart by shining a light into a prism, a triangular crystal or a piece of glass, you end up with seven different bandwidths of color. Yellow, red, green, or red, blue, magenta. I don't know the rest of them. But isn't that something that if I took seven of those crayons, that color, and I melted them together into one crayon, it would be almost black. But God is so miraculous, he took light, and it has seven bandwidths of color in it, and when you put them all together, it's white. That's Christ. The picture of cleanness, purity. Song of Solomon wrote of Christ and his appearance by saying, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. Now, don't go all racist on me. Both sides. Number one, those who are white don't think, well, Jesus is white, so only white people can be saved. You're an idiot if you think that. You don't believe the Bible. You don't believe Revelation chapter 7. And for all you black folks, or brown, or yellow, or red, whatever color of dirt you are, don't think that I'm saying that Christ is special because he's white, or white people are special because we're the same color as Jesus. Don't think it. Because I don't believe either one. Anybody that knows me knows. I have an adversary out there. He thinks he's being real coy. And he likes to creep up and leave stupid comments on my YouTube channel and Facebook. And he gets under different, he's got, I don't know, hundreds of different fake identities in social media. And he writes all these racist remarks trying to pan me out as being a racist. Anyway... My beloved is white. and So why is Christ white? He's pure. Didn't, wasn't the requirements of the sacrifice that it had to be unspotted? Means it had to be pure, clean, holy, without sin, without defilement, without uncleanness of any kind. None. My beloved is white, and the word ruddy means it's describing David was ruddy. It means, and I've got two children like this, red-headed, freckle face, okay? Irish, if you want, or Scottish. But that's, that's what David looked like. So Christ is the son of David. He inherited that trait 
from his father, David. But the symbolism of him being white shows, and basically white and ruddy or red is the two colors in blood. Oh, I love this. Daniel 12, 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried. Revelation 3, 4, thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in what color? White. I don't know if I have this in my notes, but let me just, let's see, where is my pure Bible software? Here is there, no, there, no, there, no, there, no, no, no. What did I do? Close out of it? No way. Maybe I did. I don't know what happened to it. There we go. Uh, Revelation 7. In case you still want to accuse me of being racist. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man can number of all nations. The Greek word here is ethnos. Not nations as far as borders concerned, nations as far as ethnicity is concerned. How many nations? All of them. How many kindreds? All of them. How many different types of people? All of them. How many different languages or tongues? All of them. Stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with what? The gay flag colors? Dressed in all black like Catholic priests? Or red like cardinals? No. Clothed in white robes. And you, you wouldn't... You wouldn't deny Christ the ability and blessing to clothe you in white, would you? Simply because it's white? No. Everybody gets a chance to wear that. And it's a gift in Revelation uh, 19. Let me show you that. He talks about the bride. And she is given a white robe to wear. Uh, In verse 8, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The fact that it was granted to her means it was a gift. She don't have to pay it back. That's the difference between a grant and a loan when you go to college. You get a grant, it's money paying your school bill. If you get a loan, you got to pay it back. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, white and clean, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. I need to hurry. And he saith unto me, right anyway, the fine linen, white and clean, was given to us, and it says that we are perfectly righteous. Now, keep going here. Three things that white blood cells do to destroy the enemies inside your body. Three things, engulfment, degradation, degradation, consumption. First of all, engulfment means covering. It's like, here's this piece of paper. This is a white blood cell. This is uncleanness. Amen. It's when you did this, when you did this, you were an idol worshiper. 
That's a sin. Breaks the second commandment. So Christ died. So he took all your idol worship. Now. There we go. Now. Where's your sin? Gone. It's gone. The sins that are written down in God's book. They're covered, blotted out by the blood of Christ. So all you see now is God is the one who invented white out. Yes. Uh, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of the people, thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. The second one is degradation. The sin is broken down. The sin and the white blood cells now, they start breaking it down into pieces. That's called degradation. Notice the scriptures. Thou shalt break them, who is it? The wicked, with a rod of what? What is the most vital mineral as far as your blood is concerned? Iron. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. <laughs> how, does, how does David know that? How does David know that iron in your blood is necessary and that the blood breaks down and destroys all of things unclean? He doesn't. He's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And what's a vessel made out of? Clay, dirt. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy. He shall break in pieces the oppressor. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces. Leviathan is like the beast with seven heads or the dragon, Satan. Um, Psalm, oh, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Because the third phase after degradation is consumption. So look at Psalm 74, 14 again. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. In other words, once Leviathan's heads were all busted up into pieces, the people ate it. Now where is it? It's gone. It's all gone. You didn't think I was going to swallow that, did you? I'm crazy, but I ain't stupid. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy... What happens to a dead body? It's broken in pieces. Okay, a giant maggot doesn't come and swallow a whole deer. It's broken down into billions of little pieces. Turned back into the dirt again. Numbers 32, 13, the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. 
just like this verse here, once Leviathan's head is broken in pieces, Leviathan's the dragon, the man of sin, the son of perdition, all of those things, gave him to be meat, and they consumed it. What was, what was Israel's sin in the wilderness at the base of Mount Sinai? What was their sin? Well, uh, adultery, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not be there lying, stealing, killing, adultery, coveting. Yeah, all of them. Uh, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Honor thy father and thy mother. I'm, you know, there's no other. They shall have no other gods before me. So they were doing all of, they were breaking every 10, all 10 commandments. But that, those, their rebellion against God was symbolized in the form of an idol, a calf made out of what? Gold. When that's their sin. It has a real presence. It's easy to see. So when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets in his hand, an iPad and a Samsung, no, 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 he sees the idol, becomes angry, takes the Ten Commandments written on two tables of stone, slams them to the ground, and they're broken in pieces. And then what does Moses do with their sin? He takes and he breaks the golden calf into millions and billions and billions of tiny little pieces. He basically ground it to dust. And then he put it in their water. And he said, drink it. And so the Israelites had their sin broken in pieces and consumed. Now, that's not what God showed me on the way over this morning. That's what God showed me just about five minutes ago. Now they're going to consume it. Psalm 18, 37, I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. People, if you, if, if this if this kind of stuff bores you, I'm sorry. But this is what this is the gift that God gave me November of nineteen ninety seven. When God said, Mike, I'm gonna keep you. I'm going to use you. I want you to study the sure word of prophecy. I want you to study it. Where do you want me to start, God? Revelation or Daniel? Just open it up. I'll open it up for you and show you what I want. And along the way, then, I'm going to share with you what all of that means. Now, I don't think I'm going to get all of it. But you understand what I'm saying? 
And God, once he did that, I don't really remember the first big thing that God showed me. But when he did, I was like, whoa, look at that. I mean, I literally did that. And it scares my wife. It, you know, she used to get scared at that. Now I just I was on the way this morning, sweetie pie sitting next to me. And I just smiled. I get that. God, thank you. Because this is what drives me. It compels me. I want to know more. Now that I know this, I want to know more. It's not about what I know. It's about what else I can know. It's like it's the way men watch television with the remote. They don't want to know what's on TV. They want to know what else is on TV. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride. And for cursing and lying, which they speak. You should not curse. You should not lie. You shouldn't have pride either. Consume them in wrath. Consume them that they may not be. So what is what is the white blood cells doing to the dead works that are in my body? Making them like they never existed, ever. Completely ridding my body of any trace of their existence. Oh, praise the Lord. And let them know that God ruleth in Jacob unto the ends of the earth. Having now seen this, if you're seeing this for the first time, do you now know that there is a God and that he ruleth unto the ends of the earth and there is no place outside of God's dominion? And I mean not just the ends of the earth, but I'm talking about everything in the creation. God rules it all. Psalm 71, 13, let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. I love it. See, with this, with this uh, blood, Christ's blood, because one of the verses, let me see if I can find it real quick. It shows you that, um, this particular verse shows you that, um, well, let's see here. What am I trying to do? There we go. Um, it talked about, here, here it is. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit. So what this is telling you is that Christ's blood is not merely the flesh and, well, flesh and blood, flesh, blood that every human has. Because if it was, then, it's, then it couldn't have worked. It, it's no more significant than you and I. But here it's telling you that Christ's blood was spiritual blood. And spiritual does not mean metaphorical or a thought subject in my mind. It means literally of the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. And see, this is where, this is one verse among hundreds in the Bible that I believe bear witness to the fact that the indwelling and baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a 
secondary work of God's grace in your life, otherwise known as a second work of grace. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of God's Spirit, and the purging of Christ's blood made only possible through the eternal Spirit, that Spirit uh, is taken in and indwells at the moment of salvation. Not 10 days later, not two weeks later, not a year later, but right then. And I, I won't apologize for that. Through the eternal spirit, his blood is spirit blood. Which then gives it the ability to not only remove, well, filthiness in my body can be taken care of with a shower. Um, yeah, but in this case, the spirit blood of Christ cleanses the soul which no earthly water source can wash. I don't care what church of Christ you go to or what church, for that matter, that teaches that we're regenerated and born again by water baptism. There's a difference in the Bible, and the Bible usually clarifies the difference. On the day of Pentecost, they were all baptized. In what? The Spirit of Christ that day, and then later, probably that same day, they were all baptized with water, showing what the Spirit had already done on the inside. Um, let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered, look at that, with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. See? Sin destroys the soul the way dead things and bacteria and germs and viruses destroy the flesh and blood body. So my white blood cells then attack what attacks my body, but only Christ's blood can destroy what has attacked my soul. Um, let, the be, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Look at that. After the battle of Armageddon, where's all the sinners? Where's the beast? Where's the false prophet? Where's Babylon? There are no more. It's as if they were never there to begin with. In fact, if you read the Bible right, it looks like when Christ comes, He's basically going to reform this whole world we live in. All the mountains shall be brought down. All the valleys shall be exalted. Oh, man. 2 Thessalonians 2. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom, look at this, the Lord shall consume with what? Spirit. So was I right about that verse? Was I right about that idea that Christ's blood is spirit blood? Yeah. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So going back to that verse in the book of Acts that describes what we are bought by, 
We're bought by God's own blood. Purchased is the word used. God is a spirit. Christ's blood is spirit blood. Because that blood still stands unclotted, undried out upon the mercy seat of God in heaven. I, I believe that. You may not. But the Bible says that Christ's blood is eternal. Uh, where does it say that, Pastor Mike? You know, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, eternal. Eternal life, eternal life, eternal power. Uh, eternal weight. Not Our eternal, made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Eternal purpose, eternal, immortal, invisible, lay on holy, eternal life, eternal life, eternal glory, eternal life. Where is it? Author of eternal salvation, eternal judgment, eternal redemption. Ah, here we go. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal, I just read that verse, through through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So I, my belief is that the blood that Christ himself, as, as the high priest, sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven seven times. I, I just believe that when we get to heaven, we see that. I think we're going to see Christ's blood just as if it had just been laid down fresh because it's everlasting. If, if it's not everlasting, how can it give us eternal life? How can it eternally cover all of our sins, even the ones we haven't committed yet. Um, let's see here. Oh, I better move on. I got to get to the battle of Harmageddon with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the bright. What color is bright? <laughs> um, yeah. What color is bright? It's white. It's white. Now, after the white blood cells is finished destroying the enemies, it dies. So the dead which he, Samson, slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Samson, by the way, did not commit suicide. It wasn't suicide. It was a soldier's death in battle. Okay? And there's a difference. Colossians 1.21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. How did that happen? In the body of his flesh through death. That Jesus, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So, I mean, it's like it's like the guy, you know, like in these war movies, he's all shot up, and he's got a whole clip full of, of um, hand grenades, and he tells his soldier uh, companions, you guys go on, I'm done for. But I'm going to kill these guys. And you guys go on. So his soldier buddies leave crying. 
or shaking hands, whatever. Anyway, and so the other soldiers all shot up. He's waiting for the enemy to come over to him and, you know, fixing to finish him off. And the soldier guy raises up. He's got all these hand grenade clips in his finger. And all of a sudden, kablooey! And in his death, his sacrifice, he kills all the enemies. Okay? That's what Christ did. Which is what Samson did. That he, through death, might destroy him that had the power of death. So Isaiah 118. I love this now. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. Paul mentioned in, uh, I think it was 1 Corinthians 10, that the Israelites were all baptized by Moses. How were they baptized? The, and the text tells us, in the sea. The red, what color sea? Red sea. Though your sins be as scarlet, they went through the water. They didn't sprinkle it on themselves and magically transport to the other side. They went through it. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as white blood cells, snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So when John saw Jesus in Revelation 1, he was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, white as snow. Why his head? In the law, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest took his hands and laid them upon the head of the scapegoat. And in that symbolism, he transferred all the sins of the Israelites for one year to the head of that particular goat. What was on Christ's head when all of the sins of the world were transferred to him at Calvary? The crown of thorns. Thorns represent sin. Adam was cursed with thorns. He said, though you sow your field, it's going to bring up thorns and thistles. That's your punishment for sinning. And so they put a crown, they put the sin on Jesus' head. Blood coming out. So now that the blood has been, or the sins have been atoned for, that were red, now they're no longer red, they're white. And this verse matches perfectly. Isaiah 118, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. They'd be red like crimson, they should be as wool. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Woo! 
Looking forward to that one. Now, oh, I read that verse already. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, white, clean and white. Uh, by the way, all of the modern translations here say the righteous deeds or the righteous acts or the righteous works of the saints. That's a, that's a lie. It, the verse doesn't say that. It doesn't say it in original Greek. A better translation is not the righteous deeds of the saints because that then would nullify all of the New Testament and great sums of the Old Testament that teach salvation by faith and grace, not by works. I mean, here you have, no wonder we have so many preachers going off the deep end on the gospel. They emphasize works. They emphasize doing. They emphasize the performance of ritual worship and say that you must do this in order to please God. You must do this in order for him to dwell with you. That's a joke. He doesn't abide with us because we do good things. He abides with us because we believe him. You start messing with the gospel with me, and I'm going to, I get angry over the gospel. I do. Because a gospel that includes works is bondage. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Who was? The word of God. Is Christ pure? Is he still pure? Yeah, because this is in the future. So he was pure in the Old Testament. He was pure in the New Testament. He was pure at Calvary. He's pure now, and he'll be pure all the way through his second coming. Now, let's go to Revelation 16. Here's the big war that everybody's waiting on. Armageddon, the valley of Megiddo is where this is. And it's a huge plain. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I did a teaching. I've done it several times. I like to do it every now and then because I think it's a really good teaching called The Gathering. And to study the word, if you want to do your own study, study gather, gathering, gatherings, gatheringly, uh, the most gatheringist. I'm just making that up. And just do your own study. And what you'll see is that there are two gatherings. There's the gathering of the wicked together, usually to make a, a, a an army, and the gathering of the saints to make an army. Um, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, what happens to the tares? The tares are the first to be gathered. 
because that's what the husbandman said. He said, gather first the tares, bind them in bundles, and cast them into the fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The wheat is gathered up and stored in his garner, in his silo. So this is the gathering. The beast, the false prophet, the dragon is going to gather all the kings. The kings of the earth take counsel. Uh, the kings of the earth, uh, what does it say? Psalm chapter 2. Uh, why do I got to look everything up? Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. This is a conspiracy. Against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast their cords away from us. So here we are. They're gathered together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Harmageddon. So now we have um, contestant number one. Now, contestant number two. Look out. Here comes the white blood cells. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. Now, at this time, remember what John saw. Uh, and, and the Song of Solomon. Here is Christ. And his head and his hairs were white. Like wool, white as snow. He and again, we don't have to go all racist and BLM and KKK. We don't have. Don't worry about it. We're all made of dirt. It doesn't matter what color the dirt is. It's still dirt. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Bible, the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. This, um, and it was prophesied, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So there's going to be millions of White blood cells in the form of Christ with his head and hairs and his robe white on a white horse, followed by us wearing white robes, sitting on a white horse. Oh, and we're going down to destroy the devil. We're going down to destroy the beast, the false prophet, all the kings of the earth. All the people of the earth, we're coming down. We're going to first, we're going to um, 
cover them completely. Then we're going to dash them in pieces. And then they're going to be consumed as if they were never there to begin with. No evidence of them having ever existed. It's all going to be washed away. That's what occurred to me on the way to work this morning. White blood cells. It's an army coming down to make war. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How many different colors are there in white? Seven. King of kings and Lord of lords. I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that uh, fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. See? They're going to be consumed, aren't they? (laughs) That you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought many that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with his flesh, or their flesh. Mm, mm, mm. I said all of that now, an hour and a half, just to tell you that Christ and all of us who will be coming with him, returning to this earth as his body and his army, are like white blood cells that when they find the enemy, they come down, they cover them, break them in pieces, eat them up so they're completely gone. And the doctrine of justification given to us in the scriptures. People have, preachers have said this for years, the English word justify. And they say, just as if I had never sinned. And that's what it's like. There is no, that's why there's now no condemnation for sin. For them that walk in the spirit, there's only life for those because all of our sins are covered, all of them. Why would you why would you insist on being part of a religion that you pray to a God that has eyes but can't see you, ears but he cannot hear, a mouth but it, the mouth doesn't speak. Why would you belong to a religion where you 
must sacrifice something of yours in order to have your sins forgiven. Most every religion in the world has some form of personal sacrifice required for their blessing or their salvation. It's not supposed to be that way in Bible Christianity. It's not. We are to believe that there is not one act that we do, not one sacrifice that we make that can atone for even one of our sins. It must be done by Christ. I'm sorry. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. I covered it. This is not Christ. This is not where your salvation is. It doesn't matter if this was blessed by the Pope or not. It contains no magic powers to wash away all your sins. It must be the blood. Amen. Lord bless you. Oh, I wish I felt better Tuesday. Ah, we were going to walk in Zion. Hope you enjoyed today. Continue to pray for us here at Bethel. Pray for all of our ministries. Um, I, I've been mentioning that one of them is in jeopardy. And, I, and again, I'm not going to say what. I'm just going to ask you to help us pray that God would show us what he wants us to do. And we'll do it. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, you're the reason why we do what we do. And we thank you and we thank God for you every day. May the Lord bless you. We will see you Sunday morning. Adios, amigos. Pardon my French.